0: Well, if you will turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 139, we're gonna read verse 16. We've referenced this verse many times throughout this series, but I would like to read it to you again. Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book, book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Before we were ever a twinkle in our parents' eyes, God had ordained every day. And what that tells me is I experience life on a daily basis that today God has something for me. He's adorned, ordained my steps for this day. He's got a purpose and assignment for that day. And that's what activation is all about. We are not activated just to be activated. We're activated because there's a purpose in God's mind and in his heart for us to accomplish. One of the greatest truths I've ever heard is that, listen, it's not, life Christianity is not just about doing good things. It's about doing God things, And when we do God things, then we know we are doing good things. Every day, Antioch Church, those who are visiting, I submit to you this morning that you have a purpose, a divine assignment for this day. No matter where you're at in your journey, God has a divine purpose for you this very moment. When you leave this building, you are not leaving waiting for life to determine your circumstance. But you are walking out of here understanding that you have a destiny and a purpose and something, a task to do today. And in understanding that, I believe we must understand that in order to understand that when we operate according to our assignment, God activates us for more assignment. In Acts chapter eight, verse 26, Philip Is talking with the Lord. And the Lord says, listen, Philip, you need to get up. And I need you to go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is verse 26. So he got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch. And he listens to the Ethiopian eunuch. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to share the story with you. He, He hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah. And, and Philip says, do you understand what you're, you're reading? And he says, how can I if someone doesn't explain it to me? So Philip goes on to explain it to him. And he's talking about baptism. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, what's stopping me from being baptized? So they pull off the side of the road and he gets down into the water. Philip baptizes him. And I want to pick up the story right there verse 39 when they came up out of the water the spirit of the lord snatched philip away and the eunuch no longer saw him but went on his way rejoicing but philip found himself at azotus and he passed through he kept and as he passed through he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Twice within this story, we see this biblical truth that when we operate according to the assignment of God, it opens the door for God to activate us and release us into our next assignment. Philip, get up and walk on this road. He didn't say, he didn't tell him what he was going. To. Your assignment right now is just to walk and not to walk in the fertile land and not to walk just in blessing. But I need you, Philip, to walk in the desert place. I think some of us as Christians in Western culture, y'all know where I'm going with this. We, we We begin to be shaped by that culture. And we begin to say, God, if it's not a life of blessing, then it must not be you. But I think God says, if you're going to live in a life of assignment, you need to to have an abundance that comes from within, not from without. And go to the desert places, because there's an Ethiopian eunuch who needs your voice. So in his faithfulness, Philip walks in the desert road, and he's released to speak to the Ethiopian eunuch. And when he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch, immediately he's cast, I mean, he's just gone translated to Azotus. And immediately he realizes, well, God didn't just translate me away just so I can take a break or take a vacation. He immediately begins to preach to the, in the cities in that region. When we are faithful to complete the assignment God has us in, today God opens the door for new assignments, amen? And now I want to get to the meat of my sermon. Why? Why this intro in terms of activation? Well, because the question that occurs to me is that if I don't know what my assignment is today, how can I ever be released and activated into my next assignment? Many of us live day to day waiting. We're waiting for something to happen. But I submit to you this morning that God's scripture has already outlined for us what our assignments are today. And as we are faithful to walk out those assignments today, he will activate us for greater assignments tomorrow. So the title of my sermon this morning is the five types of assignments, five types of assignments. There are five types of assignments that scripture scripture outlines for us to do today. If we don't know what our overall purpose is and we don't know God, I'm supposed to be a missionary or am I supposed, listen, that's okay. It's okay not to know. When Philip went to the desert road, he didn't know. But there's a lifestyle of assignment God has for us today. And listen, this is not about works. This is about saying, God, I'm so passionate about your kingdom. I'm so, as I draw nearer to you in Psalms, it says God shares his secrets with those who fear him. God wants to share his secrets. And if we draw close to the Lord, I believe he's going to begin moving us into these assignments I'm about to share with you. Number one, the the first assignment I want to talk to you about is the assignments that apply to all. If you're taking notes, the assignments that apply to all. What do I mean? Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three. Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent, diligent to perse- Preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Through this verse, I believe we can see that every believer has been called to a relationship with God and to a quality of life that honors Him in every aspect of daily life. Did you hear what I said? By responding to salvation and being in relationship with him, we have been called to live a quality of life that brings honor to him. Let me read this again. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And let's just break this down for a moment. The calling that you have been called. If you look up those two Greek words, calling and called, they're different. They're not the same word. In English, it's a little deceiving because it is the same word. But in the Greek, calling is the word kalesis. And it means the divine invitation to embrace salvation and the kingdom of God. So So it says, walk in a manner worthy of the divine invitation to be a part of his kingdom. As citizens of the kingdom of God, there is a manner of living that is worthy of that calling. But then go to the next Greek word, it's kaleo. And it references when Christ calls certain persons to be his disciples and to be his constant companions. My calling is to be a citizen of God the kingdom of heaven, but I've been called to be a constant companion of Jesus Christ. And in that place, there's a life worthy, a manner worthy of living. It is incumbent upon us to live a life worthy and not to leave us in a lurch. Paul continues and he he begins to give us a description of what a worthy life looks like. He goes on to say, live with all humility and gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity. Have my question to you this morning. I'm, listen, number one, my goal for you this morning is to walk out of this place and know what to do. I want you to leave today going, I can do this. So my question is this, in your words and in your actions, do you preserve the unity of the body? When you're offended, do you preserve the unity of the body? That is God's purpose for you today. This is practical. Have you, let's just start here. Have you ever been offended in church? Okay, listen, everybody should have raised their hands there. Okay, it's not hypothetical. (laughs) Hey, don't lie. No, I'm just kidding, okay. (laughs) Are we preserving the unity of the spirit? And I love this, the Greek word for preserve, tereo means to attend to carefully, to take care of and to guard. Sometimes we think abstaining from negative talk means to preserve, but it's not only to abstain, but to protect and to guard, to take initiative. When someone comes to you and says, Can you believe so and so? Listen to what they did to me. And the first thing out of her mouth should be, You know, have you talked to them about it? Because my calling is to preserve the unity. And your calling is to preserve the unity. Gentleness. This is something I think that goes without thought in the Christian walk. Are we gentle in our words? Are we gentle in our actions? That is our calling. It's our calling. You want to know what your assignment is? And it applies to every single one of us, not some of us, not to pastors, not to certain offices. It applies to the moment you say, Jesus, I'm yours, then this is your assignment, be gentle. And another portion of scripture says it this way, let your gentleness be evident to all, not just your brothers in Christ, but to all, to your boss, pagan that he is. (laughs) Let your gentleness be Evident to him. Sometimes it's easier to be gentle with people we don't know than with our friends. And sometimes it's easy to say, oh, we, let's just, we're just joshing around. But our words are, are not gentle. Our jokes with one another are not gentle. Scripture says, let your gentleness be evident to you, all saved and unsaved. Male, female, Gentile, Jew. You still with me this morning? First Peter chapter 2 verse 17 says, honor all people speaking to the body. You, this is a manner worth living. Peter picks up the conversation. He says, honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor all people. Do you honor all people or do you honor those who honor you? Do you honor those who treat you like trash? Do you honor them? I love what Peter says here. He, he just There's no room to wiggle. Honor all people, not some people. What does it mean to honor? The Greek word there, to pay means to estimate, fix the value of something belonging to oneself, to honor, to have an honor, to revere and to venerate. And I love this, to fix the value of something. I, I think what scripture is saying here is that we ourselves bear the responsibility of fixing the value. When we don't honor someone, it's because we don't value them. But it's not up to them. Their value is not up to them, it's up to me. And if I don't honor someone and I don't value them, it's my fault, not theirs. Because honor all people means to, I fix the value. I fix it. So when your spouse when your children, when your co-worker, when your boss, when the president, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Honor those you agree with. Honor those who bless you. Honor a title. No, listen, honor all people, all people, everyone. Honor people is how Christians are to relate to the world. Scripture goes on, love the brotherhood. This is how Christians relate to one another. Fear God, this is how we relate to God. Honor the king. You know what I hear when it's, that's how Christians relate to authority. I believe that this is the will of God for each of us, regardless of where we live or what our individual roles might be. This is who we are. This is how we live. This is our assignment. The second assignment that I want to discuss with you this morning are the assignments that express your unique giftedness and basic function in the body of Christ. The second assignment that we have that is clearly given to us, that we don't need to have special revelation, this revelation was good enough. And that is that we are all gifted. We are all gifted and unique we have a basic function in the body of Christ. I believe every single person in this room has a gift and assignment in the body of Christ. We were never meant to be just attendees. We were never meant to be just people who show up and sit in a seat, we're blessed, awesome, and we leave this place. We have a role and a function to operate in here together. Scripture makes clear what God has, that God has equipped us with gifts as believers and that we should give directly to our primary, uh, give direction to our primary service and assignments. These gifts give us direction to our assignments in the context of the body. Romans chapter 12, verse four and five. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we think our, we the, our gifts belong to us but they don't our gifts belong to one another so when we say that we don't have time to be a part of the body and I know I'm I may be meddling a little bit here. But from what I see here in scripture is that when we say that I'm too busy to operate in the context of the body, then maybe I'm I'm withholding from the body that which is theirs. Because I don't belong to myself. We belong to one another. Life in the Spirit New Testament commentary references this this verse stating, what unites the body of Christ is its diversity. We need you. We need every single different gift in the body. Each member is dependent on every other because the gifts are distributed throughout the body in such a way that no member is self-sufficient. No one is self-sufficient. Consequently, the body of Christ functions effectively only when all members utilize whatever gifts they have for the benefit of the rest. When you withhold your gift in the context of the body, we are all worse for it. 1 Peter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Ephesians 4, chapter uh, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be filled up and built up. Each of these gifted people is called to fulfill a certain function. What is stressed is not the specific location or the organization within which they might serve, but rather the nature of their unique roles. What am I saying here? Let me me just read this from a article I, I read not too long ago. The issue is that we've made our titles more important than the function. Pastoring has become a career path and not a function. So then those that quote unquote pastor must work in a church, not realizing that pastoring is a function God has gifted his people. I believe that in this room, there are people more gifted than I that are meant to pastor. But because we've been caught up into this idea of a title and not a function, I guess I have to go to school and I've got to go to seminary. In order to pastor, I've got to get these things. I can't pastor to my neighbor because I don't have a title. But I'm here to tell you, if your gift is to pastor here at Antioch Church, we need you to pastor. And if your function is a prophet, we need you. We need you as the body of Christ. If we're going to be effective, how many of you believe Antioch Church is called to be effective in this city? Amen. And if we are, we are only effective to the degree that we are all contributing according to our gifts. It is not a dynamic personality alone that will change this city. It's not, it's not a great speaker that's going to change this city. It's a body of believers who are operating according to the gifting, the function that God has created you for. Oh, five minutes. Thank you, Jesus. The author of this article continues on. He clarifies the importance of distinguishing between our basic calling and our career, saying, sometimes we confuse our God-given function with any specific job description, role, or career. We think that God calls us to a career, but fail to understand that within any vocation, we are called to a basic function that flows out of what God has equipped and gifted us for. Meaning what? If we don't understand the truth of the function, then we could get a vocation. We could get a career and not, and still not operate according to our gifts. And you wonder why work has no life in it. Well, God must be calling me somewhere else. I got to look for a new job. Well, maybe, maybe it's not a new job that's the issue. Maybe it's the fact that we're not operating according to the function God has created us for. I better move forward. Yeah, move forward, okay. Assignment number three, number, point number three, assignments that respond to needs and opportunities. There are assignments that God has given us to us that are meant for us to respond to needs and opportunities. And let's look at scripture. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight, and God is able to bless you abundantly. I know I'm moving fast here, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm really gonna start talking fast if I haven't already. <laughs> And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, not in some things, not in sometimes, having all that you need. Listen, activation and assignment is the ground from which provision springs. We need, Sometimes we want provision, but we're not on assignment. But it is in the context of assignment that God provides. Okay, I'm not going to stay there too long. You will abound in every. Come on, say it with me if you have your Bibles. You abound in every good deed or good work. Galatians chapter nine, verses nine and ten. Let us not become wearied in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let as we have opportunity, let us do. Come on now, good. Let us do good. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Greek word for good is agathos, which very simply means a good, of good nature, pleasant, excellent, distinguished, upright, noble. You want to know what your your assignment is today? Go out, and if there's an opportunity to express the goodness of God, that's God's God-given assignment for you. He designed it out. He knew you'd be walking down the street. He knew you'd be driving your car. He knew you'd bump into that person. And if the opportunity presents itself, I believe that 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 is God saying, "Here's Here's here's your assignment. David Galvan's a good example of this. He, he started working at EFL, not paid, volunteering. There was a good opportunity to speak to students in high school. It was just a good opportunity. And he took it. And now today, he is one of the leading voices in this city concerning good decisions. And he's going into high schools and he's training up other people to go into high schools. Why? Listen, Activation leads to activation. Assignments lead to activation. If there's a good opportunity, take it. You never know what God will do with a good opportunity in the hands of a faithful servant. The theme running through these texts is that each of us is to respond to needs and opportunities for doing good. By doing so, we are fulfilling God's redemptive purposes and his callings. For us, Daniel Bacon, he's the director of Overseas Mission uh, Fellowship, states, In my daily priorities and choices, and any action or response that flows naturally from life's circumstances or demands and looks like, smells like, talks like a good work, becomes a God given assignment to me at that point. Whatever best expresses the fruit of the Spirit in a situation automatically qualifies as God's assignment, and thus God's call. And or will for me. Let me just read this verse now with that understanding one more time. Galatians chapter nine: "Let us not become weary in doing. Good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Are you getting something out of this today? I'm praying to God that when you walk out of this room, this auditorium, and those of you who are listening through podcasts, when you leave your computer, you will walk in assignment. There are assignments for you today. Honor all people, be gentle, humble. And if a good opportunity presents itself, seize it. Don't go home and say, well, let me pray about it. God will make it clear. This does not mean that we should do everything. This does not mean that we should do all good things I should be doing. No, God will make it clear to you. But if we don't seize the opportunity, how and when will God make it clear? We've already tossed it out the window, we've already moved it to the trash bin. It is 12. Is it okay if I do one more? Okay, I'll work through it. Number number four, assignments that come from a God-given burden or concern. There are assignments that come from a God-given burden and/or concern. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. As you take opportunities to do good, I believe there are going to be moments. That God begins to impress upon your heart. Daniel Bacon, I mentioned him earlier, writes It is interesting that most ministry visions flow out of a desire to meet or need or solve a problem. Seldom does a vision come from a vacuum. History is filled with stories of God's servants seeing a need and feeling within a growing desire or burden to do something about it. Hudson Taylor saw one million souls a month perishing without Christ in China. And the burden to help is what drove him to start the China Inland Mission in 1865. There, there are, bur- have you been seeking God for a burden? I think, too, as we respond to good opportunities, God will begin to impress upon you. Not only then, there are times when God just divinely, have you, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you are so burdened for something specific? You ever been there? Raise your hand if you've been. Listen, I, I'll, I'll give an example real quickly here. I... Uh, how many of you remember the Virginia Tech shooting a number of years back? terrible shooting. I was, uh, I was staying up late one night as a young adult. I was not married at the time, so I didn't have any voice of wisdom telling me to go to bed yet. (laughs) And I just was getting ready for bed. I I was like, I'm going to kneel down on, I'm just going to kneel and I'm going to pray. And so I just started praying and in, that, in a moment, I just started being burdened in my soul for school violence. Ah, it's kind of strange, but Lord, I'm okay, I'm going to pray into this. God, I'm praying into this. I'm praying, God. And I felt God's presence fill that room, you guys. And for about 30 minutes, I just interceded against school violence. And here's the thing. Then I felt satisfied in my soul because I was so proud of myself for praying. I was so proud. I, I just... Man, I feel good. I feel God's presence. All right, I'm going to bed. And the next morning, the Virginia Tech shooting happened. Now, I'm not not suggesting that that shooting was my fault. I'm not suggesting that um, if I had prayed longer or harder, that it would not have happened. But I believe it is an example of God calling on his people to intercede. He's burdening his people to intercede. And we cannot take it lightly and use it to massage our own lack of relationship with God. We got to go beyond. This is the assignment God has for me. There's a burden on my heart and I've got to treat it as God's assignment for me, not not, the moment that assignment becomes my assignment, I become the center of that assignment. So then I feel better about my relationship with the Lord because man, I just had an awesome time of prayer with him and I quit. Western con- culture I wrote this statement down in my journal and I just want to read it to you. Western culture has produced a type of Christianity that seeks to avoid problems and difficulties, to shy away from the uncomfortable. When this becomes impossible, they, be, they begin to pray for God's deliverance from the enemy's attacks. Never seeking the Lord concerning his heart for that situation. The very difficulty that you are walking through could be the very burden that the Lord wants to carry, you to carry in your heart for more than just yourself. And in order to receive the burden of the Lord, there are at least two things we must consider. Number one, intimacy is the key to hearing God's voice and knowing his heart. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen: the Lord confides in those who fear him. Number 2 the faithful walking out of everyday assignments positions us to see you know i think when we are walking out the faithful everyday and i mentioned this before already but when we walk out the good opportunities today our our very sight is changed and when once we were blind to the homeless person standing on the corner of the street we begin to see them finally number 5 There are assignments that come from organizational alignment and requirements. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. When we are a part of an organization as an employee or a volunteer, then scripture makes clear that work-related assignments are in reality God-given assignments. We treat volunteering for the church body as a favor we're doing for the church, But I submit to you that when we volunteer for an organization, we're not doing a favor for, to them. Volunteering is not a favor. It's a fulfilling of God's assignment for me. And when I do work in the office, in my vocational job, I can treat those as assignments from the Lord. When we are a part, of, listen, when, when we are serving under authority, we are told to see our tasks not just as menial or mundane jobs to be done, but rather as acts of service to God. Do you treat your work as an act of service to God? This is not new. I'm sure you've heard this before. If you've spent any time in the church, you've heard this before. But I want to resubmit it to you and in the context of activation. You want to be activated in your life's purpose, then treat your job as God's purpose for you today. If God's, if the kingdom principle is faithful with little, promoted to much, then what makes us think we're gonna fulfill our life calling if I can't fulfill my calling in my daily work? Allow me to close with two points concerning alignment. God's activating anointing flows into our lives to the degree that we are in alignment with the head. What do I mean? Psalm chapter 133, verses 1-2. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in Unity. unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, on the collar of his robes. God anoints the head and as we come into alignment with the head, that anointing flows to us. And When we get out of alignment, I believe that's when the anointing of God begins to lessen. Have there been abuses in church settings? Absolutely. And I submit to you that those abuses were wrong. But I believe that the mere act of alignment releases God to operate in our lives. I have served poor leadership in the past. But I could not allow poor leadership to determine who I was. If I want to be a giving person, I'm not going to give just when it's easy. I'm going to give because that's who I am. And if alignment is a core value of the kingdom, then I want to be a person of alignment, regardless of the circumstances around me or above me. They will not change who I am. Jesus had submitted himself to the Roman government and his alignment with God's purposes and his submission and alignment to the Roman government was the context from which eternal life sprung for each and every one of us. Finally, the last thing I want to mention here So two points concerning alignment, the last one. Alignment releases assignment. How do I know this? Second Kings chapter four verses eight through 17 is a story when Elisha, he walks by this woman's house often. She invites him to eat. And when he leaves, he's just coming by so often, she looks at her husband and says, hey, we've got to build a house. We've got to build a house for him on top of our house. And I believe what we see there is an expression of submission and alignment. She said, she didn't say build it on the side of our house. She said, build it on the top. On the roof, we're gonna build him a room so that every time he comes by, he has a place to stay. There's a lot there that I could go into. But let me just say this. As a result, as a result of her coming and submitting to godly authority and coming into alignment, what we see is Elijah says, what what can we do for her? And and his servant says, well, she doesn't have a child. And he looks at her and says, activate (laughs) it. Your next assignment is to be a mother. And nine months later, Elijah came by. And guess who had a baby? It's interesting to me that that baby, that boy, as he grew up, he actually died. And she came to Elijah and said, help me. The miraculous happened because she was still in alignment with Elijah. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) This morning, there are five assignments that you can walk away with. Assignments that apply to all. Assignments that respond to needs and opportunities. Assignments that come from a God-given burden. And assignments that come from organizational alignment and requirements. Antioch Church, I, these kind of sermons are always difficult for me because you can never think that if I work hard enough and do everything that, that I'm, I'm going to be right with God. That is a gift that comes without works. God desires to be in relationship with us. But I think from that place, when we've been transformed in Christ is the center, from that place, we begin to operate and we work according to Christ's heart. And so what I would say, what I would say to you is that work is not the root Of salvation, it is the fruit. Assignment is not the root of the Christian walk, it's the fruit of the Christian walk. Discipline is not the root, it's the fruit. And this morning, I bless you to be fruitful in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We say you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And God, I just say, as we come to you to be in relationship with you, called to be a constant companion of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be fruitful people and that we would walk out our assignments with faithfulness and passion We can no longer claim ignorance as it pertains to assignment. Father, help us. Empower us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.